There we go, we're recording. Okay, welcome to the call. This is Dr. Jonathan Futurami, founder of Axiom Seminar, and my goodness, a man that needs absolutely no introduction, but uh, well-deserved to just say a little bit about his background, who he is. He's much more than an author of, I believe, 12 books. He's more than a consultant, more than a speaker. He's focused on transforming lives, and that he has done through his many programs, I think over 60 or 70 different programs he has. Uh, he's traveling 360 days of the year. He lives on a ship. Uh, you know, just an extraordinary human. Dr. John Demartini, welcome to the call. Anything else that I missed in your biography there? <laughs> no, you did fine. Thank you. <laughs> You're calling in, you said, from uh, Houston, Texas, one of your many offices. Uh, what part of the world do you love most? What's your, what's your favorite area of the planet? I mean, you, you're often in Australia. You know, I, I like traveling. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Wherever I am or wherever people are, I'm, I'm pretty present. So I don't, uh, I do normally, th this is the first time in a very long time, 25, 30 years maybe, since I've been in one spot really, because of the corona. That's so St. Corona has allowed me to be in one place. I, I, I moved into a hotel um, and for two months, there was nobody here but me. And the hotel had 10 people managing the hotel and I had this private hotel to myself. It's pretty good. They had cooked for me. They had cleaning and everything. I was done like a private villa. So I can't complain, but uh, normally I'm traveling city to city as I travel, but greatly I've been in one spot, but I think soon we'll be, be back on traveling again. I think I'm, I'm normally, normally on my ship too, but I'm not, I would be on the ship right now. So I'm in a hotel. Are you at uh, t over 20 million frequent flyer miles now? It's, you've got to be I getting broke up the there. 20 million mark. I did 20 million. That's something bad to the, the, the long, long when, Right when I, right, right when I hit the 20 million mark, I, I <clears throat> hit Corona. So it'll pick back up by the, by the end of the year, I'm sure. Well, look, I want to jump right into it. We've got 30 minutes here. I want to maximize our time and just get into it. There's, there's really no better person than, that we could speak to than Dr. John Demartini as far as, you know, the crisis that we've uh, experienced uh, and the, the, just the sheer amount of fear in society. And, you know, as a human, uh, as, a, as a behavior specialist, can you say a person focused on maximizing human potential? Uh, what is it that we can do to change the narrative? I, I heard a story that you said at one point that really transformed the way I think about leadership in particular. You had somebody ask you something to the effect of, you know, where do you see the, the world or where do you see chiropractic professions specifically in the future? And you asked them, well, how do you want it to see, you know? And I think that uh, our job and, and what we're focused on at Axiom Seminar is creating more leaders. Uh, what are your comments? What are your, your takeaways? And what do you, uh, what's your perception of this? Well, about uh, 125 years ago, a psychologist named William James made a statement, and I'm paraphrasing just slightly, that the greatest discovery of our generation is that human beings can alter their lives by alternate perceptions and attitudes of mind. We have control over our perceptions, our decisions, and our actions in life. That's it. And so it's not what happens to us. It's how we perceive it, what we decide to do with it, and how we act upon it. So wisdom is not sitting and running a story as a victim and being a victim of history. Wisdom is becoming a master of destiny and finding out how whatever is happening is helping us fulfill what we deeply are inspired to fulfill in our life. The quality of our life is based on the quality of the questions we ask, 
if we ask questions, how specifically is whatever's happening helping me fulfill what is my mission, what my priorities are, highest priority thing in my life? We uh, find that it's on the way, not in the way. And uh, it, what's interesting is we can sit there, like all events, we have this event we think is terrible. A day, a week, a month, a year, five years later, we look back and we find out that there were some magnificent things that came along with it. But instead of having the wisdom of the ages with the aging process, we can have the wisdom of the ages without it by just asking on the spot, what are the upsides? And extracting meaning out of it, and then find out how it's serving the objective we have in life. And then we are masters of destiny, not victims of history. So I'm a firm believer that there is no crisis out there. And I know people think, what? what? I call it St. Corona. I'm absolutely certain, and I mean absolutely certain, that there's just as many upsides as downsides. And to focus on one side is foolish. To focus on downsides. New Delhi uh, has had the cleanest air in 35 years as a result of this whole thing. Los Angeles, the same thing. Best air in 18 years. So there's upsides to it. There are people that have gone online and numerous businesses have boomed online. Innovation, creativity has gone up. Uh, people have gotten close to family. Uh, people interacting on Zoom and having amazing interactions around the world. I've had people literally in every country around the world in the last three months on my programs and the people that wouldn't normally be able to do that. So to sit and to target and focus on the downsides and not the upside. I think you're right. I think with the crisis, we've understood that there's, there's some positive things that comes out of this. I mean, at the very least, a sense of shared purpose uh, and understanding and belief. John, you're still there, brother? Hello? It's like we have some technical difficulties here. Hello. So as we were talking about, uh, there's definitely some benefits, some opportunity, you know, at the, at the very least, there's a sense of shared purpose and an understanding that we are all way more connected uh, than some people try to lead us to believe. Uh, what, are, what do we do as leaders to, to change this narrative of humanity? And, and what are some additional benefits or how can we start to, to see this differently and uh, maximize our, our potential here? Because there, there is some possibilities. Well, in our brain, we have the forebrain, the prefrontal cortex, the executive center, which is more objective, more balanced, more reasonable, more foresightful, more strategic in planning, and is able to anticipate challenges, mitigate the risks, and come up with solutions and go do something that's deeply meaningful that serves people. And then we also have the subcortical area, the, the brain, the amygdala, which is a desire center, which wants to avoid a pain and seek a pleasure and is highly polarized and emotional and biased, very subjective. And it's extrinsically driven. You want to blame things on the outside and want to look for some sort of savior on the outside to save you. If we prioritize our daily life and fill our day with high priority actions that really inspire us, that make a contribution to others that bring deep meaning to us, we are able to be resilient, adaptable, less uh, extrinsically driven, and we're more able to see the answers and solutions to what we think are problems and actually dissolve the illusions of the problems and find a 
something into action. But if we're down in our amygdala, we want to avoid any pain and seek any pleasure. And we tend to, you know, be extrinsically driven. And we, we're, we're probably vulnerable to social media, which accentuates those polarities instead of synthesize those polarities and keep us centered. So if we want to be a leader, we have to prioritize our daily action and ask what is the highest priority thing I can be doing right now with the circumstances that I'm perceiving objectively and how do I use them to my greatest advantage to serve the greatest number of people? You know, it, it's uh, many people compare what's going on to what it used to be or compare about how they fantasize it wish it would be. But those are just delusions. Those aren't real. What's real is what's here. Mm. So the individual who takes what's here and asks, how do I take what's here and use that to my greatest advantage to serve the greatest number of people? And how is it helping me fulfill my mission? Those are the individuals that ground it and get into action and do things. And that's a leader. A leader takes the outer circumstances and links it to the inner vision and transform the so-called circumstances into opportunities. That's a smart leader. And a leader is, there's nothing the mortal body can experience through the senses that the immortal soul can't love and lead and transcend and use. So it's a matter of, if your vision is greater than the obstacles, the obstacles turn into opportunities. But if your obstacles are greater than your vision, then you really need a good, good uh, boost in the butt to get your vision up. And the greater the vision, the greater the potential for your life. You know, if you're, if you're living day to day in immediate gratification, you're not likely to do much in life. But if you have a long-term vision and you chunk it down into small action steps strategically and you find out how no matter what's happening is serving you, you go places. I think it's brilliant when you start to talk, especially about the amygdala and how it, it you know, it fires so many hundred times faster uh, approximately uh, than our, our prefrontal cortex. So I understand why people get emotional about it. I understand why people are fearful because of their beliefs, because of their values, as you spoke about. Uh, you know, the, the few things that we can control as humans, as you said, our decisions, our beliefs and our actions, our decisions. I mean, it's, uh, it seems small, but it's big. It's impactful and we can have a gigantic impact on humanity. What's your yes, take? I, I, I'm a firm believer. I, when, when the Corona first hit March, um, America, I had thousands of students around the world, literally thousands, send me emails. And... I'm very grateful for their response because they didn't ask me, you know, what do we do now? They, they made a list because they've been trained by me. They made a list of all the upsides and centered themselves. And those individuals that did that and followed my instructions, always making sure they have at least a six month to a year's worth of liquid capital sitting in reserve. They took advantage of the downsides. They bought into the crash and they bought and made money on it. They had cash reserves to deal with the adaptations. There's, there, see, an individual with foresight plans for the, these worst case scenarios in advance and is prepared and then uses these, these, these experiences as opportunities. But most people, they wait uh, for calamity to do and they react and they don't have foresight. And then they end up blaming this, this outer circumstances for their, their, for their no foresight. So I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, if you make a list of all the upsides of what the Corona's done, I assure you that they're there. I'm absolutely certain. Uh, I'm, I'm curious here, because most of the people you're speaking to know who you are, know what you stand for, are in some capacity a leader, whether they understand that or not. Um, 
I see that people, humanity's worldview, it's very hard to change somebody's worldview. And that comes from, in part, the beliefs. How in this process do we as leaders start to change somebody's worldview? Because it is a hard thing. And I think often if you start to try to say, well, whatever it is, vaccines or this or that, you know, chemtrails, like you start to turn people off and they don't want to listen. So what is a good strategy, a good place to start to say, look, there's more to this than uh, COVID-19. There's more than this than a, than a virus, right? Well, when my wife was alive, she passed away about 16 years ago, but she, uh, she made a statement, to those who believe no proof is necessary, to those who don't, no proof is possible. Waste no words on those who seek not. I don't try to convince somebody who's not asking for assistance. I first have to establish a need before I offer a service. If you try to share something to somebody that's not asking for help, you're wasting your time. I'd rather focus on the people that, that are interested and build uh, a culture of people that are interested. And then by the herd instinct, those that are not empowered, they will fall in place mm. more so. Because if, they're, if they want to blame things on the outside, instead of take command on the inside, they're, they're not going to empower their lives. See, any area of our life we don't empower, other people will overpower us. If we don't take command of our intelligence and learn and be you know, well-read and well-understanding, then we'll be told what to think. If we don't uh, empower ourselves in business, we'll be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves in finance, we'll be told what we're worth. If we don't empower ourselves in relationship, we'll be pushed around and told what to do, and trapped in a relationship that's unfulfilling. If we don't empower ourselves socially, we'll be told propaganda. And I assure you there's propaganda in every country. I've been to 154 countries, I've seen it. And uh, if you don't empower yourself physically, you'll be told what drugs to take and what organs to remove, which is pretty foolish. If you don't empower yourself spiritually, you'll be told what propaganda there, the dogma of irrationality and antiquity will be there. So people who don't empower themselves and read misinformation, which is highly polarized and skewed, uh, weaken themselves because they don't have any objectivity and they don't do their homework and they don't become masters of something. If they go and they, they educate themselves and empower themselves, the world on the outside has nothing to, to interfere with. I travel, I've been 154 countries. I've traveled all over the world. I've been blessed. I set out as a goal in my life to empower all seven areas. I wanted to create original ideas that served humanity across the world. I've been blessed to do that. I've, I've got an international business. I've got all those areas of life are totally empowerable to people. And there's nothing out there that stops me except my head. And the belief is when you set goals that are congruent and aligned and integral to what you value most, you wake up that executive center, you prioritize your life, you see things on the way, you see things as feedback, not failure. You don't blame things on the outside. Epictetus, the Greek philosopher said, at first in our journey, we start blaming others. Then as we go through the journey, we blame ourselves. And then when we finally reach the pinnacle of our journey, there's nothing to blame. There's just something there to, to use to do something amazing with. And so, I don't find anything that's uh, out there that has to stop us from anything. Never found anybody out there. I've been in foreign countries. I've been in Tehran. I've been in all over the world. I've never had anybody stop me from doing what I set out to do. I mean, it's amazing. So I don't, I'm not a conspiracist out there that, that somebody's doing this to me. I empower myself. If you want to not have people outside overpower you, empower yourself. And what I mean by that is not, you know, dictatorial empowerment but true empowerment through awareness, self-reflection, 
and, and to be, not put people on pedestals or pits, but put them in your heart and keep doing what's a magnificent service that you want to bring to the world and, and do it in a fair, sustainable manner where it's a fair exchange and you'll grow fortune, you'll grow uh, influence, you'll grow uh, network, you'll grow um, service, you'll grow fulfillment. All the areas of life are available to us. So I'm not going to say Corona has absolutely nothing to stop us from doing what we want to do in life. I, I'm, I'm just the whole idea that it's stopping us is ridiculous. We have the capacity to transcend anything that our mortal body experiences because our mind is more powerful than our body mm. and our perceptions and our attitudes can change the world. And so I don't want to be a, sub, a subordinate to some culture that has a belief system that we're, where, you know, this crisis is going on. I'd rather be a leader of a culture that has a movement that uses the situations to solve the problems. That's just a problem. Problem oriented doesn't get you anywhere, but solution oriented gets you places. I think that this, what you just said, is really going to be the solution to the, the amount of fear that uh, we're experiencing. And it's like, whether it's getting in a car or whether it's swimming, people die from those things, but it doesn't stop us from doing it because our belief about it and understanding and the truth is that it can be safe. You put the seatbelt well, on, you learn. I'm going to make a statement that's not going to be popular, but I, I don't care. Your body has cells that are birthing and dying daily. You have mitosis and apoptosis, as you know. You have reduction in oxidation, alkalinity and acidity, parasympathetic and sympathetic. You have build and destroy because your body needs to remodel itself in order to evolve. It has to remodel neuroplastically, bioplastically, muscular bones. Everything is constantly plastic and blastic, constantly remodeling itself, building and destroying, living and dying. And it must do that to adapt to a changing environment. And society must have birth and death. And we have this fantasy that birth is good. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. And death is bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. And that is not the truth. There has to be birth and death. Every one of us is going to die. And to sit there and, and miss out on the order of what's going on and know that this is exactly what's going to strengthen our immune system. It's going to advance us technologically. We're going to learn new things about all kinds of areas as a result of these challenges. It's the challenges that we may have casualties over, but we will then move forward with greater strength and greater insight. And so I'm not looking at the individual parts. I'm looking at the big picture. And the big picture, the broader picture shows that we're moving forward. And I'm not, so I'm not going to sit there and, and wallow in the pity party. I'm interested in getting onto the, 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 the bigger vision. And I'm, I don't see this as a setback. I see this as a step forward. And it, it, it's assisted those people that have that attitude. It's assisted them before. Some of the greatest uh, achievements are going on right now. We just made it went off to the space station directly from private enterprise with NASA, where we're, we're finding solutions to pollutions. You know, Bucky Fuller says pollution is future solution. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that's the case. Now they've got polyurethane and plastic bacteria that consume that. So now they can spray plastic and dissolve it. Now they got radioactive bacteria that can take radioactive waste and consume it and transform it and help in the nuclear uh, diffusion. So th the, the things that we frighten about right now, we later look back and realize, no, that's exactly what we needed for the next step in our evolution. But I don't want to sit there and, and then react and then be in doomsday and then boomsday and then doomsday and boomsday and be volatile. I'm interested in having a steady focus, knowing that seeing both sides instantly, see both sides move through it and find the solutions to it and move on. And that's what I see what's going on right now. Leaders are the ones that know how to do that.
They're resilient, they're adaptable, they're visionary, they're objective. They don't sit there and get skewed by ridiculous social medias and, and misinformations and television things that sell sensationalism, that mislead people. They're interested in the facts and they move forward. I sat with Freeman Dyson at the Institute of Advanced Studies before he passed away recently. And, uh, and he was talking about the global warming and all that stuff. He's a very, very, very practical, very insightful man. He took over Albert Einstein's position in 1955 there. And um, he said, there's solutions all over the place. And he outlined a series of solutions for it. But it's not economically viable for some people yet. That's all. But there's solutions. So, so I'm not sitting there living in fear. I don't find that any way productive. Because fear usually implies that we have a fantasy about how life's supposed to be instead of objectively appreciating the way it is. Anytime you compare your current reality to a fantasy about how it should have been, it would have been, could have been, you're going to not appreciate the magnificence of what we've got. And the magnificence of what we have right now and the magnificence of ourselves is far greater than any fantasies we impose on ourselves or onto life itself. Mm. Mm. We know that the muscle grows against resistance, right? We know that the seed grows in darkness. And I love that take on it. It's... Uh, a lot of the colleagues that I speak to consult with uh, and coach, like there is this state of fear because it's unknown and they're coming back, they're opening up their practices, they're going back into their businesses and they're, they're, they're fearful of the unknown. But like you're saying, focusing on the solutions, changing your perception, changing your mindset to solution oriented, being resilient, that's the solution. What's the yeah, alternative? Let me, let me say something. There, I, I've been studying human behavior 47 years. I've been teaching 47, going on 48 years. There is no fear of the unknown. That's what they think. Mm. There is only fear of the content you've conjured in your mind. Mm. Not fear of the unknown. It's fear of what you put in place because you don't know. Mm. Because if you take what you've actually got in your mind and you assume there's going to be more drawbacks and benefits, that's not the unknown. That's the conjured assumption that you're about to have more drawbacks and benefits that's what fear is and if you have the assumption there's more benefits and drawbacks you have a fantasy and where there's no phobia without aphilia mm. and the feeling and the phobia if you put them together and look and balance out the equation of your mind and balance out the expectations and maintain an objective neutrality on it there is no fear out there so fear is simply an assumption that there's going to be more drawbacks and benefits conjured up in your mind that you've created imagination on and the round two, 10 people may have totally different ideas of what's going to happen. I've never seen fear of the unknown. I've seen fear of the content that they've conjured in their mind. And they are assuming the worst because they haven't taken the time to look at the upside. Let me ask you this, John. Uh, what's something, you know, you've been featured in The Secret. I, I saw that it changed uh, my perception of reality as a small boy and, and what I need to do to create the life I want to. What's something about The Secret that, that we should know that maybe wasn't portrayed or something that, uh, that we should know that we don't know about the secret? Well, the secret, it's interesting. The secret started out actually with only six people in it. And it was going to be a TV specialist on, on Channel 9, starting on Channel 9 in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, they realized that uh, the Commonwealth Games bought out the time, and so they had to go with DVD release. When they did, they watered it down and put 33 people from the Transformation Leadership Council group together to make up this new version of it. The original version, nobody's hardly seen. There's been three versions. When they watered it down, they took out a lot of the meaty stuff. They, they watered it down and simplified it for the mass media. Now, the benefit of that is it went to the world. You know, millions of people saw it. The drawback it is it kind of misled people thinking they just visualize an outcome and magic occurs. A necklace pops out of a window and puts on your neck. 
And I had people come up after The Secret and say, you know, what am I doing wrong? I read the book six times. I watched the movie 20 times and I go out to my mailbox and there's no million dollar check in it. And I go, well, can you consider working <laughs> and serving somebody and then saving it and investing it? Um, if you do, you probably have a million dollars somewhere down the line if you work at it. So people have delusions and unrealistic expectations and expect some magical thing to occur. And I'm not a promoter of that. And that is a misinterpretation of what the secret was about. But it was very common. But the real truth is that if you set a goal, a real objective that is balanced, that is congruent and aligned with your highest values, and if it's truly highest on your values, you'll automatically think about it. And your innermost dominant thought does become your outermost tangible reality because it determines what you perceive and decide and act. If you visualize it with the executive function and see it in your mind's eye, where it's clear, as Phelps did when he won 22 medals, you internally dialogue to yourself about it so you can say it fluently because you can see it visually. And you then feel inspired by it and you're enthused and you want to take actions on it. And you take prioritized strategic actions towards an objective and you take the feedback from those objectives as you go along and go and refine it and polish it and keep doing it until you build incremental momentum towards achieving something, are grateful for what you get to achieve along the way. You're going to achieve this thing. If you're really consistently, persistently focused on it, you're going to get there. Mm. But to fantasize you know, and think, I'm just going to visualize some magic thing and I'm going to be wealthy, those are delusions. And I'm not a promoter of delusions. I'm, in a, I'm a promoter of solutions. And solutions are practical. And, and uh, the secret, if used wisely, is very powerful. Mm. But if secretly misread and misinterpreted um, and done with just a fantasy genie rubbing, um, is not going to get much. I see a gap between people's actions and their goals. And uh, the goal is becoming more of wishes. You know, they want to play golf three, four times a week. They want to maybe work a couple of days a week and they want to make, uh, you know, six figures. And that just doesn't, it's not going to work. It's, it's called incongruent goals. In the eighties, I went into a thousand doctor's offices and consulted a thousand. And I, and I watched and probably 80% of all the doctors had incongruent goals. They said they want to work as so many hours a week. They want to be able to do this. They want to be able to see so many patients. They want to make so many dollars. And when you actually add it up, what is your case visit average? What is your actual office visit average? What are you actually charging? How many times you're seeing them every week? Uh, everything else, they don't match. And so this is an incongruent goal. And the brain throws it out because it can't be done. It's not possible to do. You, you want to have a thought through, four-sided plan, strategically laid out, that's something that's practical, doable, that aligns with your values that you will actually incrementally grow into and accomplish. If you do, you'll build momentum and your confidence in yourself and your belief in yourself will get accentuatedly higher and you'll take on bigger challenging situations and grow. But if you sit and put up a fantasy and then it's not real and then you beat yourself up and wonder why it's not working and then you go into an implosion and you basically doubt yourself, well, then you set yourself up. Self-doubt, self-depreciation is a compensation for an unclear goal that's not congruent with what you value, that hasn't been planned through, that's a fantasy. Just two more questions. I know we're getting close to the end of our time. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, you know, if I look back, uh, first question, what's your, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite dinner? <laughs> you know, favorite food, I love grapes. <laughs> okay. I love grapes. I, um, I eat grapes a lot. I like salmon. I like really quality breads, multi-grain breads. I'm, um, I love carrots and carrot juice. 
Yeah, you, you have to. Maybe, maybe a bit of yogurt. Any, anytime you're up in uh, Norway, we're, we'll give you the, the experience of your life with some fresh caught salmon, okay? Okay, now that, that I love. I love good salmon. So I'm a simple guy. I, I don't, I live not to eat. I eat to live. I fuel my body with things that are priority, quality foods, and um, and I, I perform pretty pretty intensely for about 18, 20 hours a day. So I'm, I keep going with it because I-, I You're I, an athlete. I'm an, I'm an a, a verbal athlete. Uh, last question here. You know, looking back in my short time on this planet, uh, one of the inspirations for my new book was just seeing the sheer amount of terrible leadership on this planet, whether it's, you know, corporate scandals, you know, bad health policy, um, just a really terrible leadership. And the other side of uh, the, the uh, catalyst to me writing this book was uh, just how bad people were at selling. And uh, one of my mentors, Sean Dill, taught me about a concept of leadership-based selling, which as I looked up the words and the synonyms of both leadership and selling, they're both forms of influence. Um, and they're actually more similar than dissimilar. If you see expert leaders and expert sellers, what would you say, you know, and if you look at some, what I would consider the best leadership-based sellers, you know, people like yourself, uh, people like Tony Robbins, the Mother Teresa's, I mean, they were able to accomplish their vision because they were good salespeople in a way. They were good humans before they were good leaders or good salespeople. Uh, what would you say to the idea of leadership-based selling? What would you say to the idea of, first, you need to sell yourself on yourself. You need to sell yourself on the idea of what you're trying to accomplish. What would you have as a final word of, of wisdom, of, of advice to somebody that's looking to either become in a place of leadership, become a better salesperson, or the synthesis of the two? Well, you're, you, every human being has a set of priorities, a set of values in their life. And whatever is highest on their value is an intrinsic value that they feel spontaneously inspired and called to fulfill. And that highest value, their identity revolves around. So if they live by priority, fill their day with high priority actions that truly inspire, that serve people, they automatically live authentically, congruently, and they're integral. And they spontaneously emerge as a leader. They also become most objective. Because our survival in our amygdala is a subjective bias system to avoid pain and pleasure, to avoid pain and seek pleasure to avoid predator and seek prey. And we skew things with subjective biases when we're down there. That's what poor leadership is an amygdala run leadership. The executive center has mm. self-governance and it understands that the only true leadership, the only true influence and the only true caring and selling is equanimity. So if you puff yourself up, you'll go narcissistic. If you beat yourself down, you go altruistic. But if you're being authentic, you're going to equity and fair exchange. And it's only sustainable fair exchange that creates long and lasting sustainable relationships. And it's the sustainable relationships that are the great sellers. Not the media gratifiers. The sustainable, caring relationships and building long-term relationships mm. by consistently that make the greatest sales process. And that's the people of influence. Those are the authentic individuals that are not exaggerating themselves, they're not minimizing themselves, they're not trying to get something for nothing, they're try not trying to sell, give something for nothing. They're trying to create something for something that's a sustainable, you know, non-zero-sum game, sustainable transaction that actually serves. 
those individuals who truly care about humanity and make sure they have fair exchange on that and care about themselves as part of humanity and care about their dream and vision and the impact it has on other people and have the fulfillment of making the difference they want in life, those are the people that not only sell, but lead authentically. I hope it's okay. I'm going to use some of this in the book with your permission. That's fine. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, hopefully I can send you a couple of chapters. And if you love it, uh, maybe give us an endorsement. If you hate it, please feedback uh, so that I can become better as a leader and a salesperson. Uh, any final closing thoughts of uh, words of wisdom? Uh, where you want to leave us at here, Dr. Martini? Well, I just, I just want people to know that, that the magnificence of who they are is far greater than any fantasies they'll impose on themselves. So don't minimize themselves by putting other people on pedestals. Don't exaggerate themselves by putting other people in pits. Be themselves by putting people in their hearts. Because if, if you do care about humanity, uh, you're going to be prosperous. When people are poor, I tell them it's because they're not caring about humanity. Because if you cared about humanity, you'd be finding solutions for the problems in humanity. And the people who live authentically according to their own highest values are people that actually look forward to solving problems. They go and pursue challenges that inspire them. And they fill their day with challenges that inspire them, which creates innovative, creative, ingenious solutions that are original, that make original differences. And they automatically exemplify what's possible and magnetize opportunities and people around them that want to be around authenticity as a culture that builds momentum to ever greater achievement. So I'm a firm believer that it's, it's living by priority that makes the difference. So every day you want to ask yourself, what is the highest priority action I can do today that can help me move one step closer to the fulfillment of what I'm here to serve on this planet? Bill Gates asks a great question every day. What is it that I can do today, the highest priority actions I can do today to serve the greatest number of people with the resources I have in the most effective and efficient way? Smart way of living your life. And if they want to help somebody, wants to help themselves become clear about what their values are, please take advantage. I have a, on my website, I have a value determination process. It's complimentary. It's free. It takes about 30 minutes of their time. It's 13 very objective questions to narrow down what your life demonstrates is truly important to you. Not what your fantasies are, not what your whims are, but what is truly your life is demonstrating is valuable to you. So you can begin to structure your life by focusing on priority. And if you're not delegating lower priority things, you're going to be trapped in a lower depreciative state. Your job is to go and serve ever greater numbers of people, delegating all the other things to people that would love to be doing the things you want to delegate and free yourself up to live an inspired life and making a difference and exemplifying what's possible. To me, that's the thing. And my website, drdmartini.com, please have them take the time to go and fill that out. It's complimentary. It's free. It's private. It's for them. I would do it a week later. I would do it a month later and then a quarter later to make sure they're not bull, shooting bull to themselves and make sure that they're really authentic about what's important to them so they know their priorities and stick to them. It sounds like it's a, it's a good way to, to really gain more self-awareness. And I feel that if that, that one thing, self-awareness, would solve a lot of humanity's issues. Well, self-awareness is, is Schopenhauer basically said that, that we become our true self to the degree that we make everyone else ourself. And Plato says all learning is recollecting. We're recollecting all the disowned parts that we've been too proud or too humble to admit we have that we see in other people. If we put people on pedestal, we're too humble to admit what we see in them inside us. If we put people in pits, we're too proud to admit what we see in them inside us. If we put them in our heart, we own it. 
and we have an intimate relationship with humanity. And then we realize we can empathetically understand their needs and be able to serve their needs from our heart. The website again, drdmartini.com. And yes. the resource was called? The Value Determination Process. Take the time to find it and do your value determination. It's a, it's a worthy pursuit. Millions of people are doing it. And it is definitely um, a worthy pursuit. It's 30 minutes of self-inspection and self-reflection. And let me ask you this: Are you uh, are you starting the breakthrough experience again this year? What's your what's your schedule looking like for the rest of the year? Well, I've been I've never stopped. I've done seven breakthrough experiences online. I've done uh, two seven day programs on leadership online, a five day program on on health and uh, online, another just a program this weekend online. I haven't stopped. I've done over two hundred presentations since March <laughs> online. Of course you have, Dr. Martin. You've got to realize that the world, just because you don't have a plane, doesn't mean that it stops you from your mission. You just go to plan B. And what we have is we got the internet. We've got Zoom. And yeah. just like I'm here with you, Zoom is allowing me to reach people all over the world. The other day I, had, I was teaching the Breakthrough Experience, which I've taught 1,100 and now one times, two times now. And I had uh, a guy in Madagascar sitting in his backyard over a river in a forest doing the breakthrough experience in Madagascar, another one in Mongolia, mm. and another one in Thailand. They're all over the world today. So there's absolutely no reason why we have to have anything on the outside world stop us from our dreams. Well, maybe we'll have to call you in for uh, Axiom Seminar September 4th and 5th in Amsterdam. You know, we've been working with your team for almost two years now, trying to make the schedules work to get you out there. Uh, you know, of course, we want to see you in person, but, uh, you know, there's some, for me, I've, there's just an element that's missing when I can't, uh, you know, be close to somebody. There's that, uh, but, but still, it's, it's impactful, and it's, as you we're said. We're, we're playing, we'll go to plan. I may be there on my ship by then. The ship's going to be probably sailing around there. So we may be there. Who knows where we'll be. But I would, I, would, I would just, let's see if we can organize that. I have no idea what my schedule is on that because I got people to do that. And they give me an itinerary. And I just, I, I research, write, travel, teach. I've delegated everything else away. I don't do anything else. I, I haven't driven in 32 years. I haven't cooked since I was 24. I don't do things that aren't inspiring to me. I just stick to what I do best, research, teach. And I travel when I'm traveling. That's I it. love it. Thank you so much for your time and your spirit and your blessings and your energy and your smile and, and your hair too. You, you got one of the best haircuts on the planet. I got a, I got a haircut. They, they scout me pretty good the other day. It's starting to grow back out. <laughs> but, uh, I normally have wild hair because I, 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 they have to say, you need to go get a haircut. I don't focus on that. Thank you so much again, Dr. DiMartini. Thank you.